Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Proactive Eye with your host, Elegant Granny. On this episode, I'll be giving you a little bit of my history of my experiences with domestic violence, child abuse, sexual assault, and suicide. What I can tell you about my experience with suicide is in the 10th grade, this was during the time, this was in the 80s, and this was during the time where suicide wasn't as talked about as it is now. It's talked about a whole lot more now, and you have so many avenues of being able to get you some help. But in the 80s, there may have been some help, but there wasn't as much talk about it then as it is now. And I had a friend named Robert. He was my best friend, and we conversed all the time. We enjoyed just talking. That's pretty much all we did. We just talk, talk about life, talk about goals and everything. So when my mother came home after spending time with his grandfather and told me that I was no longer going to be able to see him because um, he ended his life, I just didn't know how to feel. I didn't I didn't know whether to be sad or what. I just I didn't cry. I I didn't sleep that night and my mother was excusing me from school although I went to school because I love school. I hate missing school and I just didn't know what to think. My teachers, they talked about it. We really didn't have class that day in any of my classes. We, you know, talked about everybody's feelings and everybody wanted to know how I felt because they knew we were close. He had a couple of other friends, but um, everybody knew that we were always together. We weren't boyfriend, girlfriend. We were just best friends. And I just didn't know how to feel. And that's what I kept telling everybody all day long. I don't know how I feel. And I didn't because, as I said before, suicide wasn't really talked about then. So um, this weekend, I'm participating in the Out of Darkness Walk. And it's going to be hosted in Lynchburg, Virginia this weekend, this Saturday. And... I'm doing this walk in the memory of my friend, Robert. This will be the first one I ever do. So I'm kind of excited about it. And that's my story on child abuse. I mean, sorry, on suicide prevention. Now to my story on child abuse, my sisters and I, there's four of us. And the two in between me and the baby girl, there's like 13 or 14 years between me and the baby girl. She's from my father's second marriage, but she wasn't involved with the child abuse as my other two sisters were. Excuse me. And so um, we experienced it a lot from a family member. And it got to the point where it, it was almost like a normal part for us because that's all we ever knew. Um. There was a lot of sometimes um, we were getting to, we would intervene when we would see this person come at my mother and we would intervene. And this person, because of the size they were, it was as if they were picking us up and throwing us around to get out of the way to get to her. 
because we felt like, you know, that's the first thing children are going to do is to protect their parent. And my mother describes it as they picked you up and threw you upside the wall as if you were a puppy and you were unwanted. And that is how she described it. She's very descriptive. And that's probably where I get it from. That's how I ended up being a writer because of the way I can describe things. And that was the extent of it until my teenage life. When I was a teen, a family member um, just flew off the handle and it was after church and I was being attacked. I was strangled. I was beaten. I was dragged around the house and um, my mother, she had a restraining order put out on them. Um, after my sisters ran off to tell what happened, I wasn't going to tell. I had in my mind at the age of 15, I was going to get this person back. I was, that's just where my mind was. I was going to get them back. And my mother, until she realized where my mind was at, she was contemplating on retaliating herself. She was going back and forth between retaliation and going to the police. But at some point, she saw me and she knew what I was doing. In my mind, I was silent. I was contemplating on what I was going to do to this person next time I saw them because I was going to get them back. And so she decided to involve the police. So we went to the police station. And we took out a restraining order and we didn't see this person anymore for a long time. They weren't allowed around us. And um, the restraining order ended as soon as I reached my 18th birthday. Because that's normally what happens when you, you know, get one for a child as soon as they hit 18 in the state of Virginia anyway. I don't know about any other states. It could be different. Um, but it ended on my 18th birthday. That's my story on child abuse. Now, with sexual assault, that also started when I was a child. Um, my sisters and I, we had been um, molested. And it was mostly from people in the church when that happened. And sometimes sexual assault isn't physical, it's verbal, it's emotional, but we did experience some physical as well. And it carried on until I think I was about 19. When I was 19, I started fighting back. And after that, it just, it just stopped because I was so erratic when I would um, take over and get back at these people that they just stopped because they pretty much called me a wild banshee. And, and so they just stopped. But it continued on with my sisters and I wasn't aware of it until later on they began to tell me about it. And so I said, you got to tell mama. And they told mom and she went completely numb. She didn't know, you know, how to feel or what to do. She was angry. But the fact that she was a rape companion, which is someone who is a um, sexual assault respondent, 
she, when it came to her own children, it took on a whole different level for her. And when she thought she was keeping us safe, something like this was going on and she couldn't wrap in her mind that something like this was going on as much as she was protecting us to the best of her ability as a single mother. And so she, um, we finally dealt with it and everybody, you know, got their healing in their own way. And that's my story on sexual assault. Now with domestic violence, my story with domestic violence is I did witness some of that as a, as a child. I watched my mother um, being abused. And as an adult, I was abused by my husband. I recently got away from him last year. We married in 2015, but the abuse didn't start until a year and a half into our marriage. A year and a half into our marriage, he hit me. Um, actually, what happened was I had went to sleep and I woke up to him strangling me and I had to fight him off. And after fighting him off, I get got up. I was going to walk outside to go get some air. And when I walked, got up, it was still dark in the room. I got up and I felt a hit. He hit me and he hit me in my eye. Um, and he hit me so hard. He hit me between my eye. It was like in my jaw area and um, where my cheek rather. And he hit me so hard that my tooth flew out of my mouth. And so we went to the hospital and the doctors put it back in. And they asked me what happened. I told them I failed, which I did fall after he hit me, but I didn't tell them what led to me falling. And in most abuse cases, that's typically what happens. Um, the victim never tells the full story of what happened. And went back home. We talked and I told him, I said, you need some help. And of course, he said he will never do it again. It happened again. So when it happened the second time, I went to the bathroom. After he had exhausted himself, he fell off to sleep. And I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, girl, you know what this is. Don't play yourself. I failed to mention in the previous episode that I do have a little over 30 years of experience in the psychology field, not as a licensed therapist but as someone who assisted licensed therapists and counselors. I do have a certification in counseling, but I don't have a degree in it. So what I'm doing now is I'm in my last year of psychology school. So I will have that under my belt soon also, along with the master's I have in business. Now back to the story. In 2017, the summer of 2017, I got away from him for a couple of days and I went to a friend's house. It was the owner of the company that I worked for seven hours away from my hometown. And they told me I could stay there. It was in a gated community. 
And they said it would at least give me some time to think about what I really want to do, whether I want to go back to him, if I want to leave or whatever. So during that two day stint, I decided that I was going to plan my getaway because when you're dealing with someone with narcissistic behavior, you can't just leave. You actually have to plan everything because had I just left, it would have gotten worse. And I know this kind of hard to understand unless you've been in that situation. If you've been in that situation, you know what I'm talking about. But if you have never been in that situation, it's easier to judge because you just don't know it. And so and I hope you never know it. And so I planned. And strategized those two days, I came back. At that time, he had left and went away somewhere in Iowa, Idaho, somewhere. He said he was going on a retreat to get better, which proved to be a lie. Um, A few days before I had gotten away from him last year, he ended up telling me, and he said it around his mother because she was in the house with us, that that's not what happened, that he went and met someone else. And they were trying to get him to leave me, and he decided he was going to come back home. And so he came back home and things were a little bit better for a little while until he just couldn't keep that mask on again. Now, people will say you had to have seen some flags and everything before it happened the first time. No, I did not. People also say that they prey on the weak and that's not what happens. Abusers get with people who are commonly known as empaths. They are empathetic people who enjoy supporting other people through their traumas and their trials. And that's what I am. And he took advantage of that. And that's typically what they do. They never prey on the weak because that would make them look bad. With an abuser, Power and control and image are very important to them. So if they have somebody weak with them, that's just not going to work for them because that would destroy their image. So they get with somebody else who is strong that they try to tear down. It doesn't always work. So that's where the abuse come in, because what they're doing verbally and emotionally isn't working. So they do go the physical route. So. Back to my story, I got away from him April of 2018. He has been incarcerated since. He was um, sentenced with a felony for strangulation and a misdemeanor for the physical assault. Sorry about that. Some things fell over and I was trying to pick them up. Um, Back to the story. So my husband was arrested um, August of 2018. He was sentenced December of 2018 with a felony of strangulation and a misdemeanor for physical assault. He will be released this December 2019. And I'm okay. I really am. Um, I don't have any fears or 
or questions or anything, I have what I need in place to take care of myself and make sure I'm safe. I have, um, since he's been arrested, I have seen a couple of therapists and they both seem to think that I do not need any counseling. I, Other than the initial consultation, there was nothing else after that. So I continued with um, my online support and my other support from friends and relatives who support me greatly. I have a lot of friends who check in on me. There's a lot of people who follow me, who, who knows about it, and they check on me all the time. And I really appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. But um, what I also would like to end with is please do take care of yourself. If you are in a traumatic situation as abuse and you are wanting to get away, you're contemplating of how to do it, the first thing I would suggest doing is um, self-development. That's what helped me because you're, that's something that you're going to need to stand on both your feet when you come out. If um, Because getting out takes some planning and it takes some time. Sometimes some people can just get out and get away and that's good. But some people who are like me, they weren't able to just leave and get away because of the mindset of this person, it would have ended up very, very dangerous, not just for me, but for other people who are involved in my life. And that's why um, I decided I was, I couldn't just up and leave the way I did. I didn't want other people that I knew in my life to get harmed. And that was my way of protecting me and them. So sometimes some people, even though even if you don't have any children, you can't just automatically assume that they can just get up and just go. It, it's a lot more effort than that. So that's my story on domestic violence. If you have any voice messages you would like to leave, you can please do so by clicking on the voice message button. And you can also, if you feel more comfortable not using your voice and you just want to send me an email, you can do so at proactiveeye at gmail.com. This has been your host, Elegant Granny of Proactive Eye Podcast. Thank you for listening. See you next